Welcome to Meet the Professors. This is medical oncologist Dr. Neil Love. For some years now, this audio series has gathered medical oncologists and community-based practice to present real but de-identified cases to clinical investigators. And for this program, we held the discussion in front of a live audience of attendees to the Breast Cancer Symposium in Washington, D.C., a.k.a. ASCO Breast. To begin, Dr. Alan Astral presents a case to faculty members, Drs. Skip Burris, John Crown, Kevin Fox, Julie Graylow, Cliff Huddis, and Antonio Wolfe. The patient is a young woman with node-positive ER and HER2-positive breast cancer. The patient is 29. She is a nursing student. She presented with a right breast mass. She had an excisional biopsy, and it was 3 centimeters, grade 3, ER positive, PR positive, HER2 positive. The fish was 3.8. She then referred herself to a different surgeon who did a breast MRI and what was noted what appeared to be multicentric disease within the right breast. So she subsequently had a right mastectomy. was found to have a separate 3 centimeter breast cancer. They didn't repeat the other studies, but it was 3 centimeters in grade 3 and she had five positive axillary lymph nodes. What was her life situation and her fertility thoughts? Okay, so she's 29. She is engaged to be married. She is originally from Haiti. She's just been in this country for about five years. She would like to have children, so that was a big issue for her. When I told her that she needed chemotherapy, that she was very reluctant to accept chemotherapy because she was concerned about her impending marriage and whether or not she'd be able to have children. Now, was she out on the internet? I mean, she's a nursing student pulling information. Did she go to adjuvant online or was she more just stepping back? Well, this particular patient is very shy. When she first came to me, she came to my office with one of the elders from her church. She belongs to an evangelical church and has not been a sort of person who's asked me a lot of questions. I've really had to pull the information from her because I said she is quite shy. Did this lady ask you about her risk of recurrence? No, as I said, she asked me very few questions. She actually delayed in her initial presentation. So she felt the lump in April then went to see one surgeon in November who made the diagnosis, then saw another surgeon in March, Wow! and then didn't see me until May, was reluctant. So it's been a sort of a long, drawn-out process. Interesting. So let's ask a couple questions about this case. First, this lady has five positive nodes, 29 years old. We talked about the ALTO study. So my question is going to be, would you offer the ALTO study, to this patient, knowing that there's a chance she would get lapatinib and not trastuzumab, because one of the arms is just lapatinib. Would you offer this study to a, a woman like this with five positive nodes? What chemotherapy would you likely recommend to this woman along with the trastuzumab? Anthracycline or not? And what non-protocol endocrine therapy would you likely recommend? And we're going to talk about the Austrian trial to this lady once she got through her chemo. And we know from our patterns of care study, incidentally, John, that in the U.S., by far, it's tamoxifen. Of course, we'll talk about Europe and the Austrian study. John, 
What kind of chemo do you think you'd be thinking about in this situation? My prejudice on this would be strongly that this lady should take TCH therapy. I would not give her an anthracycline. I believe the reasons are that there is approximate equivalence between TCH and the anthracycline Herceptin regimens in terms of anti-cancer effect. There is clear blue water between the two regimens in terms of the occurrence of severe toxicities. And in someone who is 29 and who is likely to live long enough to have the possibility of experiencing the late onset of cardiomyopathy, I think we would be doing her a disservice. I would, under no circumstances, let her join the ALTO trial because I think the ALTO trial mandating, as it does, anthracycline therapy, despite the efforts of some of us to allow a little permissiveness into it in a little wriggle room that there would be non-anthracycline regimens allowed, gives this lady the chance that she will get an anthracycline plus Herceptin plus Lipatinib. Although I was interviewing Martine Picard this afternoon, it sounds like maybe they're starting to rethink that. Is that right? I think the key issue was that the TCH data from the BCIRG trial had not yet been published. And I think this is what was making the ALTO group a little bit reluctant to allow it to become a regimen. But now TCH is an FDA-approved use of that regimen. So I didn't even think about that issue. But what about, let's say they allow TCH in there. What about the issue of putting her on the study and having her not get trastuzumab? I think I'd be comfortable with that. I think we've got quite a bit of reassurance on the data for lepatopin metastatic disease. I think it looks about as strong as the data that we had available to us, considering the extraordinarily difficult group that lepatinib is tested in compared to first-line therapy with Herceptin in the pivotal Herceptin trial. Lepatinib proved its mettle in patients whose disease had been resistant to anthracycline, taxane, and Herceptin. So, Cliff, your group with Dr. Dang as a lead author just published the dose-dense trastuzumab paper in the JCO. What kind of chemo would you be thinking about for a woman like this? If she had an ejection fraction above 55%, I wouldn't hesitate to give doxorubicin. Our series is actually far greater than what Chow has thus far published. We have about 240 cases of patients treated on three consecutive prospective studies, 100% of them having pre and post AC ejection fractions. And notwithstanding the widely repeated notion of a 5% dropout rate after AC, we have no cases of patients who fail to go on to get trastuzumab when they enroll in these studies. And we have one case of heart failure in the 240 patients and no long-term declines that we can yet report in terms of EF. So I think that there's a testing issue with ejection fraction in the community. I'm not disputing John's concern about long-term cardiac toxicity, but I think that's a bigger unknown than we admit. I think there's a huge amount of noise with just reporting EF drops from 57 to 45 and thinking that that's a problem. A lot of those are noise, not real. So one more question about this lady, and I want to ask Julie to address this. Would you offer zolodronic acid to this lady every six months, a la the Austrian study that was just reported at ASCO? Would you offer it to her off protocol? And actually, Martine, in her discussion of the Austrian study, also was a little bit conservative about moving forward. Julie, can you talk about those data and what you think about it? The Austrian Breast Cancer Study Group, which presented just a couple of months ago at ASCO 2008, the first efficacy data, they've been showing us bone density data from the trial for a while, was a two-part study, two by two. The first question, everybody got premenopausal women, ER positive, everybody got ovarian suppression for three years, and they were randomized to tamoxifen versus an aromatase inhibitor. And then the second question was zoledronic acid or not, four milligrams every six months for the three-year period. So bone density is preserved in this group from the addition of zoledronic acid to either the arm after ovarian suppression that got tamoxifen or an AI. 
with the ASCO presentation, the question of tamoxifen versus AI, it was neutral. There was no statistical significance either way in terms of the tamoxifen or the AI with the ovarian suppression. The surprise was that the zoledronic acid every six months resulted in about a 35% reduction in recurrences in events. This is a unique group of women who are really a minority of our patients. They did not get chemo. And they got ovarian suppression and endocrine therapy. So this woman doesn't fall exactly into this group. We're awaiting data from other trials that are much broader that would incorporate women who get chemo, postmenopausal women, etc. So I don't think that I could say that the Austrian trial included this type of patient and that therefore we should give it. That being said, I would offer her the SO307 adjuvant bisphosphonate trial, which compares three different bisphosphonates. And that's your study? It's an intergroup NSABP study. We're accruing about 150 patients a month. It was about 80 a month before ASCO, and then after the Austrian study, it went up to 150 a month. So people are interested in this question, and on the study... Clodronate is actually considered the standard arm based on the B34 trial, which we haven't analyzed yet, but it was clodronate versus placebo. The FDA said you can pick clodronate as the winner to design your next study. So we took clodronate. We're comparing it to abandronate being given in a daily dosing, a bone met kind of dosing. And then the Zometa is a very different dosing, much more intensive than the Austrian study. It's monthly for six months, as you would give to your bone met patients. And then it's every three months, and all three arms end at three years. So I would favor offering a woman like this who's getting chemo, getting trastuzumab, the study, but... Yeah, outside of trial. Outs- She's not eligible. She whatever. She doesn't really meet the women so that were in the Austrian study. Have you offered it to anybody since ASCO? I have. I've had some women who only got endocrine therapy who were premenopausal who I've talked about. In general, my patients are enrolling in the trial. I would have to say they like the idea of answering a study and you get a little more intensive zoldronic acid, which may or may not matter. We'll have the results of the Azure trial by the end of the year. I guess we should mention, too, that they did not see any cases of osteonecrosis of the jaw in the study. So it was pretty low toxicity. So what happened? I'm giving her ACTH, the dose-dense way. I understand John Crown's argument, but if I'm not totally sure the TCH is equivalent, she's young and I want to be more aggressive. 